So this morning we are uh, moving forward in our series. We began a couple weeks ago. We're calling it uh, Live Out Loud. It's an examination of Paul's words to the church at Rome in uh, Romans chapter 12 and, and verse 9. It's what Paul presents as the marks of a true Christian. Um, I don't know about you, but I find this passage both, um, both challenging as well as encouraging. Uh, challenging for the very obvious reason that as I, as I read through this text, right, and look at in the mirror, I, I, I see um, what I'll call wonderful opportunities to continue to grow, right? I, I read through this text and it's like, I'm just like, Lord, continue to have your way in my life, right? And so I find this, uh, this text extremely challenging in my heart and, and thankful to the Holy Spirit who's at work in me. And, and so um, I, I, found it I find it extremely challenging, but, but I also find it extremely, you wonder what I just did there. There's a, there a piece of hair that was floating down and I just, yeah, you didn't see that, but it was, it was there and just kind of, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going nuts. It's just, well, I'm going a little nuts, but that was just driving me crazy. I felt the need to explain that. Um, <laughs> I need a little grace once in a while. Um, <laughs> so I find it challenging and I, found it, I find it very encouraging. Um, I find it encouraging because it, it paints a picture of what the church ought to look like. I find that, I find that really, really exciting because um, the good news is that, that Jesus loves his church and Jesus is working on his church. And God the Holy Spirit is, is sanctifying his church. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I find that extremely encouraging as I read this text and I, and I kind of get a snapshot of, of what God is doing in his bride, the church. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I love that. We're his workmanship. You are not my workmanship, right? You are, you, you, we are not each other's workmanship. We are the workmanship of God. That tells me that, that nobody can blame anybody else for not growing. You, can say, you can't say, well, I'm not growing because, because my parents aren't teaching me. You can't say I'm not growing because my church isn't meeting my needs. You can't, listen, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That means wherever you are, if you position yourself to grow, the Holy Spirit will work in us and through us. And what we see in this passage of scripture is a picture of what God is doing in the church. We see a beautiful picture of what the church is designed to be in this passage of scripture. And while the church has, has never historically fired on all cylinders and every area that we see presented here, there have been snapshots in our lives, right? And, and in the church over time where we look and say, wow, look what the church just did. How wonderful to see what God is able to do through a surrendered people. And so we see these snapshots of what the church has the potential of being as we lean into the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so using this passage, um, I, I wanna just take a moment and, and, and paint a little picture for you. I, I had some fun working through this, this text. One of the ways in which I, um, I'll study through a text is 
Um, I'll kind of rewrite it a little bit in my own words. Now, don't, I'm not saying what I write is inspired like the text. Don't send me emails, I'm not saying it right. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to absorb it in ways that, that, that makes um, sense to me and uh, incorporates all of what's being said in the text. It just kind of allows me to um, personalize the text without changing the text. Everybody realize I'm not changing the text. Don't send me an email, I'm not changing the text. But I, I just kind of I figured I want to share with you this passage of scripture and just kind of how, um, how, how I, I just found tremendous encouragement. Uh, it was interesting, when I went into my study, I had no intention of bringing out what I'm about to bring out to you, but as I was reading through it, I just I started to get excited, thinking about this is the church. This is the bride of Christ, a whole bunch of imperfect people embracing a perfect God and God working through us. And, and I see on display here the wonderful opportunity for what God can do in the midst of a surrendered people. And so as I look at the church, I am extremely encouraged because the church of Jesus Christ is a family of believers as we see laid out here in Romans chapter 12 that loves genuinely. That while not despising people, we, we despise the behaviors that are contrary to the character of God. And we hold fast to that which is consistent with the character of God, that which is what we would recognize as good, because all things flow from God, that are, all things that are good flow from God. I'm encouraged because as I see this text, I see that the church of Jesus Christ is a body of believers that we love one another. Not just in word, but in deed. With brotherly affection. As a result, we, we seek to outdo one another in showing honor. And we're not lazy about it, but, but fervently seek to serve God by the way in which we serve one another. Hey, we're not there yet, but we are on our way, right? This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Because our hope is great. We rejoice in that hope because it's secured in Jesus. And therefore we can be patient in times of tribulation while constantly being in communion with God in prayer. Because God has been generous to us, we likewise seek to contribute to those in need and desire to extend hospitality towards one another. Because God is sovereign over our lives and we are never the victim of circumstances, therefore we can bless those who persecute us and not curse them. Knowing that the people who have been hurt tend to be the ones to inflict hurt and so we therefore pray for them. Hey, we're not all there yet. But that's what we're striving for. This is the text. This is what God's doing in us. This is, this, this is the opportunities that he places us in for us to yield to his working so we could demonstrate these characteristics. Because the church is not of this world, we don't repay evil for evil. We don't seek revenge, but instead we leave that to God. And instead of cursing, we bless those who hurt us. We give food to our enemies who may be hungry or drink to our enemies who may be thirsty. We seek to live at peace with all people. This is how Jesus responded to his enemies. And listen, and this is what protects us from becoming like our enemies. 
Because our hearts have been transformed and reflecting the heart of Jesus, it allows me to rejoice with those who rejoice without being jealous. It allows me to weep with those who weep because we reflect the, the compassionate heart of Jesus. Because Jesus loves his bride, the church, we therefore value the blessing of, of living in harmony with one another. Knowing none of us are perfect, but we share a love for the one who is perfect and our love for him overflows towards our love for one another. In fact, the church's awareness of our imperfections is what reminds us that we have no right to be haughty, to look down on anyone. We don't seek to be wise in our own sight. We celebrate the dignity and beauty of all people made in the image of God. And the church extends itself to those that the world would deem insignificant. The church recognizes that we overcome evil by doing good and Therefore, we seek to reflect Jesus in all that we do and, and we leave the outcomes in God's capable hands and in accordance with his plan. Isn't that a great church to be a part of? I mean, you, you see, I, I, you know, we've had snapshots of each and every, every one of those things in our lives, but, but God the Holy Spirit is working these characteristics into his bride called the church, and we just kind of celebrate for the fact, the fact that, that God, it is God who's at work in us. Could you imagine that, the, that that was the view of the church from the world's perspective? Could you imagine that's how they saw the church? That's Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. That's the, the AEB version. Anthony Edward Balsamo version. <laughs> Not nearly as good as the inspired version, but works for me. But could you imagine that that was what the, ch the world saw in the church? Imagine the impact that we can have. Imagine the platform. Imagine the opportunities that we could have to influence, to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world to all the world around us. I love the church because Jesus loves the church. And you see, this is what he's working on. These are the characteristics that Jesus is placing into the church and they are a reflection of his character. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with one another when we're not necessarily firing on all cylinders but knowing it's not about our perfection, it's about our direction. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is going to accomplish that work in our life. And so when I read that passage of scripture, yes, I'm challenged. Yes, I'm made aware of how much opportunity I have to grow but I realize I take a step back further than that and I get greatly encouraged at what God is doing in the church, not just here at Intel integrity, but all across the world. Oh, that the church would reflect Jesus. Oh, that I would reflect Jesus and his character in the world around us. Let's circle back to where we left off in our text from last week, Romans chapter 12. We spent a lot of time uh, in the last two weeks talking about love, uh, the nature of of love, the characteristics of love, the source of love. 
Today we're going to kind of move ahead a little bit and focus on verses 10 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at that together. Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another, showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I like that. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. And one of the ways in which you can and should do that is to outdo one another in showing honor. Let's just, just let that settle in there for a moment. The way in which we could demonstrate brotherly affection towards one another is this, outdo one another in showing honor. I love the language that Paul uses here, outdo. In other words, make it a competition. Seek ways to stay ahead of everyone else and outdo them in showing honor. Look at verse 11, I like it, says, hey, and don't be slothful about it. Be zealous, be fervent. Do it as service to the Lord. Outdo one another. You know, not all all competition is bad, by the way, right? Competition is good, I think we're wired for that. And what Paul is saying here is, man, here's what I want you to do. I want you to outdo one another in showing honor. What does that look like? This is so... This is so contrary to our natural way of thinking. We live in a world that, that loves to outdo one another with all and for all the wrong reasons. Always measuring other people and trying to elevate ourselves to outdo them for selfish gain. Try to outdo one another with the way we look, right? Nobody wants to be the least dressed in the room. Nobody wants to, everybody wants to look the best they can or at least better than the person next to them. Don't look next to you. (laughs) There's that tendency to want to outdo one another in the things that we own. Outdo one another in, in how many impressive names we can drop in a conversation. Right? Oh, I know this person. You don't know that person? Well, I know that person. Oh, you know that person? All right, I just got a head. Right? Outdo one another in how educated we are. People love to tote their education. Can, can I tell you, one, one, of, one of the things that really drove me to complete my doctorate work, being a part of a, of a denomination that puts high value on education, which I, I do too. I think it's a really good, important thing. But so many pastors made me feel like such a loser because I didn't have the same education that they did. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, and I'm gonna put myself in the books and get my degree just to be able to say, you know what? It really hasn't changed me. It's informed me, it's influenced me, but I'm still the same old me. I couldn't say that until I had it, but now that I got it, it was kind of like, all right, I'm, I got the same degree on the wall that you do, and you know what? I'm still the same person. I got my doctorate ring and I, and, I, and, I, and I engraved on the back, Philippians chapter three and verse eight, I count these things but dung that I may gain Christ. Outdo one another. Pastors love to try and outdo one another. We, we start talking every time we see each other. Hey, great, how's it going? How many people come into your church? 
It's always the conversation. It, it, it just amazes me. And it's like, I just wait to see how long it takes before everybody's kind of measuring each other up. And it's kind of, why are we trying to outdo one another and all the wrong things. It happens in the church, it happens out of the church, it happens in the home, it happens out of the home. People love to make themselves appear better by trying to outdo them. Can I get really, it's funny, I caught myself being guilty of this just last night. I don't know if you caught this. So I'm, I, I, went to my, I went to Jersey, my son was playing, this is nice about having one service because I can just go all day long. My son had an opening lacrosse game yesterday, so my wife and I, we drive out to Jersey and we start going and I, my eyes are locked on my son. He's killing it, he's playing awesome. Right now it's talking to another guy, really nice guy, and his son's out there too. And he says to me, oh yeah, man, the coach, when my son signed, he said, Matt, the coach had tears in his eyes. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, yeah, my, my son's the captain of the team. And, and um, I don't know if he's met your son yet, but um, I said, like right away, what did I do? I wanted to outdo the tears. Well, you know, my son is the captain of the team. And I, and I thought to myself, how pathetic. I'm preaching on this in 12 hours and I just completely violated what I'm gonna tell you not to do. Can you please pray for your pastor? He, I'm telling this stuff is so much easier to preach than it is to live. And I really hope he doesn't listen to that message. <laughs> We're guilty, we do that. I think on a good note, I think we're wired like that. I, th I think God has put into our makeup a desire to strive to be the best us that we possibly can be. Unfortunately, too often our design being tainted by sin causes us to take what could be a very good trait and twist it for our benefit to put ourselves in the limelight and not Jesus. But the reality is, as a church, we're called to something bigger than that. We're called to something much higher than that, much more effective than that. Instead of, instead of trying to outdo one another for personal gain, Paul says, outdo one another in showing honor. Could you imagine what your marriage would look like if you tried to outdo your spouse in showing honor? It, it looked like ours, right, honey? <laughs> could, you, could you imagine the depths of your friendships if you sought to outdo one another in showing honor? Not flattery, flattery means nothing. Honor is the elevation of the person's value as a person. Could you imagine the depths of relationships? Could you imagine the depths of your business if you were to honor your, your customers, outdo them with honor, imagine what the church can look like if we came into the room and thought, today I am gonna outdo everybody here in honoring them. Could you imagine what our communities would look like if we sought to outdo one another in honor. We see just the opposite today. And so for the church to hold in high priority this opportunity 
You see, showing honor isn't connected to who you're directing it towards. It's connected to who created that person. We honor everybody because everybody is made in the image and likeness of God and worthy of dignity. We honor all people because they're made by our creator and they're worthy of honor. Can I tell you something? We do not have a race issue in the world today. We have an honor issue. The lack of honor of all people is what feeds a very real race issue that needs to be dealt with and we need to learn and grow and and do everything we can to push back against that. But the issue is not because of the color of a person's skin. The issue is not a race issue. The issue is an honor issue. We define and value people by how they look, by what, we, by what they have, by their socioeconomic status. We ha- do not have a race issue or a prejudice. We have an honor issue. We view people not in the image and likeness of God. And instead of celebrating diversity, we dishonor things that are different, people who are different. And man, that ought not to be present amongst God's people. We live in a society where the idea of honor is being lost. We see a lack of honor directed towards our police officers, towards our government officials, towards our teachers, our religious leaders, and towards our parents. And notice each of those roles, their primary purpose is to serve people. He says, yeah, but, but I, don't, I don't respect them. I, 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 don't, I don't agree with them. You, you, don't, you don't need to agree with somebody to honor them. You don't have to even respect their decisions, but you do need to honor them. That's what the scripture teaches us. We take a look at a couple of areas of of, of, categories of groups that the scriptures address our need to honor people. And we'll see how that kind of practically practically gets played played out in our lives. First and foremost, obviously, we can't miss the fifth commandment, right? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. We see we are called to honor your father and your mother. Honor your parents. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God, that the Lord your God is giving you. This is not only an instructional verse, this is a prophetic verse. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. If you don't honor your father and your mother, they're gonna take you out. That's the prophetic part, right? Some of you have been on the receiving end of that. Right, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land. Do you know that we need to teach our kids how to honor us? That's not because you feel like you deserve honor. That's because we need to teach our kids how to honor. If they don't honor you as their parents, they will not honor their teachers, they will not honor the law, and you'll see them completely dishonoring all areas of authority, including God himself. Our kids will never learn how to honor God if you're not teaching them how to honor you. This idea of, well, they're my friends. I don't want to put too much pressure on them. I don't want to make them feel like they need to show me, you know, love this. You better teach them how to show you love and respect because if you don't teach them, they are not going to learn how to do it. Honor 
is not something that you just deserve as parents. But listen, and you, know, you get all offended if you feel like, oh, my kid isn't honoring me. Are you teaching them to honor you? I think we, we need to weave that into the conversations, right? Honor your parents. Paul tells us also, likewise, we, we, need, to, we need to honor our, our governing authorities and our law enforcement. Romans chapter 13, Paul writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Wow. Do you realize what Paul just said? The authorities that exist are there because everybody manipulated the system. Nope. Sorry. God allowed it to happen. God raises up and God brings down. It is God who places them in authority. For there is no authority except from God and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever, hear this in, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to do good conduct, not a terror to, uh, to, to good conduct, but to bad, right? They're there to stop bad conduct. Would you like to not have to fear authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive approval. For he, the authority, is God's servant for your good. That doesn't necessarily mean they need to be a Christian. God can work through the most diabolical leaders to accomplish his plans and purposes in our lives. Now, some of you have checked out because where we're going, but stay with me. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. You pay your taxes, right? Make sure you pay your taxes, it's coming up, right? Because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are, oh no, ministers of God. You know when that police officer pulls you over for breaking the speed limit or doing whatever you're doing, that police officer is a minister from God, worthy of honor and respect. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. This doesn't address every area that I know raises so many questions based on what we see going on in the world today. But this is, a, and, and other areas of scripture address that. It's a different conversation for a different day. But what do we ultimately to pull from this? That all authority is placed by God. Nobody's in that place that they're in by accident. And as God's people, you might not have voted for them. You might not like them. You might not respect them, but you do need to honor them because that's what the scripture teaches. Very subtle exit. <clears throat> First Peter chapter two, Peter writes this, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as living servants, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. The first thing he says here is, look, I love it. Honor everyone. Not everybody you agree with. Not everybody you like. Not everybody who's in a position that you believe that they ought to be in. 
Honor everyone. You know what the Greek word there for is, is there interpreted? It's everyone. And again, it goes back to what I said before. Every person is worthy of honor because they're made in the image and likeness of God. And so regardless of how you feel about them, it is our responsibility to honor all people. We have an honor problem in our world today. Why ultimately? Because our world is in rebellion towards God. And if they're not honoring God, they're not gonna honor anybody else. And we need, as the church, need to rise above that and be an example of what true honor is. Look what he says here though. He says, love the brotherhood, fear God. Number three was honor everyone. Number four, honor the emperor. You know who the emperor was? It was Nero. Nero was one of the most demon-possessed rulers the church has ever experienced. Nero makes Putin look like a Sunday school teacher. Nero would light his gardens with the burning bodies of Christians. Nero would take Christians and wrap their bodies in leather and place them in water and then pull them out and as that, those, that leather would tighten up, he would squeeze them to death, feeding them to the lion. I mean, he was the most sick twisted, demonic emperor the church has ever had been under. And Peter says, honor the emperor. Why? Why? I mean, let's, let's like that, that kind of stuff, like when you hear about it, it brings something out in us that is just the opposite of honor. But maybe, just maybe, that's why God calls us to honor people, even people like Nero. Honor is God's way of protecting us against hatred in our hearts. Honor is God's way of protecting us from keeping hatred in our hearts. I mean, what do you do with all of those emotions that you feel towards certain people? If you don't honor them, you're gonna become like them. Honor is God's way of protecting us against hatred in our hearts. Honor. Even the emperor, what does that look like? You'd have to send him a cake. That's not honoring. But it's recognizing that that person is made in the image and likeness of God. And if that person doesn't repent of their sin and turn to Jesus, they're going to spend a Christless eternity in hell. And praying that God would move upon their hearts, those leaders, just like he did on the, on the leader Paul who was persecuting the church and praying for them to turn to God because as you're praying for them to repent and turn to God, it's really hard to hate people that you pray for. Hate ought never to be resident in our hearts. And you see, there's certain people, you and I, you need to pray for because it, you, you, there are certain faces that might come into your, into your mind, images of different people that it kind of twists you up a little bit inside. That's a great indication that you need to be praying for them and honoring them because 
that's what's going to protect you from entertaining hatred in your hearts. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. What does honor look like? Count others more significant than yourselves. I'm working on that. That's so much easier to read to you than it is to live out in my day-to-day, right? I mean, that's just, that's just getting real. But this is the, this is the direction that we're, that we're striving for. This is, what, this is the work that God is doing in our lives so that we can actually see others and love and honor and see them as more significant than ourselves. Honor everyone, honor the emperor. Number five, honor spiritual leaders. Now this can appear to be very self-serving, but the scripture teaches this and it's really not about me. It's about who God places in spiritual authority in the church. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Every leader, what is a leader? A leader is an influencer. Doesn't have to be the pastor to be a leader. But there is a, there is a leadership. There, is a, there, is, there are roles that God places into the church. And I recognize that there'll be a day that I stand before God and after I give an account for how I love my wife and raise my boys, I will give an account for how I stewarded the role I have in this church. And that's a weighty matter. And what, 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 what the writer of Hebrews is saying to those who are under that authority, submit to your leaders, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You see, when we're working together, we, we don't lead in this church like this, right? Anybody, there's nobody higher or more important or more valuable in this church. The, 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 the ground before the cross is level. There's different roles. And, and, and if we're working together and, 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 and growing together, the church begins to look like Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Because that's the way that God designed it. This is, a, this is just a short categorical list of those that we are to direct our honor to. But, but in the end of the day, we need to heed the words of Peter in, in, in his epistle, where he says that we are to honor everyone. This is so hard for us to grasp unless... And if you didn't listen to anything I said this morning, listen to this. Remember, honor is God's way of protecting our hearts, of becoming like those that we would seek to dishonor. Honor is God's way of protecting our hearts from becoming like those that we would seek naturally to dishonor. And it also sets us up to become more like those we admire. As a young man, and I know he hates when I put him on the spot, but I followed Pastor Frank as a young guy in his youth group and watched him and served with him. Came onto his leadership team, Ronnie and Christine, we we got cut from the same mold. And when there were events going on, I wanted to be there. When he had to go shopping, I went out with him. And, I, and why? Because I wanted to be like him. Who wouldn't want to be like Pastor Frank? 
right? But you see, by showing honor, it gives us the opportunity to grow from one another and learn from one another. Not to become like them, but to pull those characteristics, right, Mike and Tina? Those opportunities we've had to run alongside Pastor Frank and Lucy, this is a big show for you guys, right? Hey, yeah, big shout out for you guys, but no. But I know that they're looking and growing from others as well. But you see, when we honor people, we have the opportunity to guard our hearts from not becoming like those that we would seek to dishonor and becoming like those that we desire to be like. Honoring is a, honor is a very powerful tool. And for the church, more than any other group on the face of God's earth, let's outdo one another in showing honor. Let's go out of our way. Let's, let's make it a priority. Let's make it a core value of our life to, to outdo one another in showing honor, to not be slothful, as, as Paul says, right? To be zealous, as we see in verse 11. Be fervent in outdoing one another in showing honor. And you know who does that? And with this, I'll close. You know who does that really well? The Trinity does that real well. The triune God does that beautifully. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The theological term is the perichorosis. Whereas the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, the Spirit, the Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. And this rotation of honor and glory among the Trinity is called perichorosis. It's the honoring of one another. And we who are made in the image and likeness of God redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we who are new creations in Jesus Christ need to reflect what's going on in the Trinity, honoring one another. Let's seek to outdo one another in showing honor. When we do that, we are reflecting a value that exists within the Trinity. As a result of that, Jesus is magnified when we honor other people, we become less visible. And Jesus becomes far more visible. That's what it means to magnify the Lord. It's not like he literally becomes any bigger than he is, but he becomes bigger in the eyes of other people as we magnify Jesus together. Let's outdo one another in showing honor. Father, we, um, we recognize, um, Lord, we are your workmanship. We're so thankful for that. Recognizing so many opportunities that we have to grow. Help us, Lord, to reflect this. And Lord, help us to go into our day seeking to outdo one another and those in which we run into with honor to the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ.